You're listening to the Greater Long Beach Podcast, where our focus is helping people to connect to God, change, and thrive in life. But it's great to see everybody this morning. Thank you all for tuning in and for uh, choosing to uh, be a part of our church service here this morning. Um, I just want to say that, um, you know, despite all that's happening in our world, I think it's clear that God is still moving, that the Holy Spirit is still moving. Actually, on Friday night, Chelsea Robertson, who's a part of our singles ministry, got restored to the faith. And um, she is now, again, our sister in Christ. And so it's cool to see that, once again, God is moving. Things are happening, even despite of all the self-quarantining, all the different precautions that we're taking in our world. And so um, it's just an incredible, encouraging time, despite everything. Um, so today we're actually going to continue our series that we started in the in the Greater Long Beach Church titled Gospel Community. Um, today we're actually going to go through and read Galatians 5. The title of our lesson is Gospel Freedom, which is interesting because a lot of us are are trapped in our homes and are and are a lot more locked down in, in, in many ways. But today I wanted to remind us of the freedom that we receive from the gospel. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually start by going through Galatians 5 all the way through, and then we're going to kind of pull it apart um, after I conclude reading it from beginning to end. So Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. So please turn your Bibles um, there. It says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again, By a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have alienated yourselves from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, 
jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one another. So just as a backdrop to this chapter, um, Paul is addressing the fact that some Judaizers came into the church and started preaching that that the gospel, the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is is actually not enough. Rather, you have to become a Jew. You have to obey the whole law in order to be right with God. Paul completely rejects that and actually says that if we begin to go down that route, it actually is a form of slavery. I'm going to go back to verse chapter one, where he says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. Uh, These are some powerful words by Paul. And the idea here is that the Galatian church before Paul um, struggled with actual idolatry. They struggled with actual idolatry. And Paul's point is that Going from idolatry to the law is just another form of being enslaved. He's saying that they are trading one form of enslavement for another, one form of idolatry for another. My question is, why? Why do we think that the Galatian church um, would go from one form of idolatry to another? What was the appeal to them of idolatry? Right. In today's day and age, we don't struggle with worshiping carbon images. It's not the same in that way. But what was their appeal? Um, it, it actually reminds me of, of Exodus 32. Exodus 32 is happens after God takes the Israelites from Egypt, enacts many plagues, gets them through a body of water to get to the promised land, frees them from the slavery of the Egyptians. But what happened is that God calls Moses, their leader, up to the mountain. And while Moses is gone, the Israelites decide, you know what, we should we should make a carbon image. If you go to um, Exodus chapter 32, verse one, it says, when the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses, who brought us up out of Egypt, We don't know what has happened to him. Aaron answered him, take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. So the question was, what was the appeal of idolatry? 
And I think the answer is that from the very beginning, mankind has struggled with wanting to make God small, with wanting to replace our Heavenly Father with something that we can control. I like to put it as instead of having to obey God, we want God to obey us, right? We want to be the ones in control. Um, I mean, think about this story in Exodus where God does incredible miracles to get these guys out of Egypt and towards the promised land. And as soon as they are forced to wait, as soon as God isn't doing what they want God to do, they decide we want to trade God in. We want to trade in our God for something that we can actually control. You see, when you think about it like that, I think all of us struggle with that in one way or another. I can think of my life and I think of relationships that I've been in in the past where I totally idolize my girlfriend. I can think of how often I just want to be comfortable and please myself and how I can become my own idol. I think about all the different times where I've wanted to please people and wanted to make a good impression on different people that that became all that I was into. And yet what Paul is saying is that we can trade in our heavenly father for things such as those. And honestly, it can be anything. It can be money. It can be success. It can be comfort. It can be another person. But Paul's point is that, man, anything that we trade God in for, anything smaller, anything that we say, you know, God isn't doing what I want him to do. I want my God to, to worship me. That's idolatry. In this case, Paul's talking about the law. And how even if we trade that stuff in for just obedience to the law, that that is a form of idolatry and thus a form of slavery. Um, for some of us, right, um, you know, in downtown Long Beach, I preached this lesson a couple weeks ago. And it's funny how when I when I separated us into these two groups, uh, it was it was kind of half and half. I think that there's half of us or so personality wise are wired for duty and are wired to follow rules and are wired um, to, 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 to judge our relationship with God by a checklist. When we don't get that under control, when we actually go down that path too much and forget about who God is, our whole relationship with God can become a checklist. It can become, I'm right with God because I'm doing this, I'm doing that, and I'm doing that. I go to church, I give money to the church, I, I, I help people out from, from time to time. And all of a sudden we can trade in God for just these set of rules. And those set of rules are what can give us comfort. The law gives us comfort. How do you know that you, that you've gone too far down that route? For me, when I go too far down this route, I get really critical of everybody. I start to judge people who don't follow the rules as well as I follow them. You know, it's funny because if you're wired this way, you, you, you like obey the speed limit. You're on time to everything. You're really organized. And once again, the downside to this is that you can begin to be critical of everything and you can begin to trade God in for rules and for law and for that form of comfort. And Paul's message for you here this morning and for the church is that that can be just another form of slavery. And my first point is that the gospel frees us from the burden of the law. The gospel frees us from the slavery that comes from this desire to just to be to, to have your do's and don'ts on right. And the gospel actually gives us freedom. The life, death and resurrection of Jesus 
frees us from all those different things, frees us from this form of slavery. My second point is this, that the gospel frees us also from indulging the flesh. You know, there's, a, there's another half of us or so. The other half of us, we're not really rules people. We're not into obeying laws. You know, church started at 1030. You probably logged in at like 1038, right? You, you just logged in a little late because, you know, it's just the spirit of the law. I'll, I'll get to the lesson eventually, right? The speed limit says 45 and you're going about 54, right? Because there's a, there's a window and there's a band. You're not into rules. You're more into freedom. And that's awesome. That's good. But Paul has something in here for, for you as well. In verse 13, it says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. You know, what can happen is that we can say, man, God is good. There's grace. I have freedom. This is awesome. But the question is, what has your freedom produced? Paul's thought is just like it's so easy to go down the route of checklist and this is how I'm right with God. We can use that freedom on the other end for ourselves. Who benefits from your freedom in Christ? Are the people around you making better decisions because of your freedom? Is your knowledge and understanding of God and his grace growing and helping the people around you? Or is your freedom only made you more inwardly focused? Has your freedom only benefited you? You know, as I think about that point, I think about the fact that a lot of us are at home, for better or for worse, right? We're at home with our spouses or with our roommates or honestly, with ourselves or with our kids, and, and, and the kids are home from school. And what happened is that this time can be a huge testing ground for our faith. And there is a sense of freedom that comes from being at home as much as a lot of us are, working from home, etc. But we can use that freedom to do all the wrong things. We can use that freedom to indulge in the, in the flesh, we can use that freedom to just watch all the Netflix shows that we haven't been able to watch over the years, right? I know for me, I was like, I missed that show last year, so I just wanted to go through and watch it and binge the whole entire thing. That can be our posture for this whole entire time that, that we're at home. Or we can use our freedom in a way that is beneficial to our community, to the church, to ourselves, to our relationship with God. You know, this time is giving us a freedom. And the question is, what are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with it? Is our freedom for us or is our freedom to help build us into the likeness of Christ? My third and final point is this, that the gospel frees us to walk by the spirit. Verse 16 says, so I say to you, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh they are in conflict with each other so that you do not do whatever you want but if you are led by the spirit you are not under the law 
Instead of indulging the flesh, the gospel frees us to walk by the spirit. You know, so often in my life, up until I, I started following Jesus, um, I just did what I wanted to. My biggest sin was selfish ambition. I wanted to do what I wanted to do. And if, and, and if situations didn't work out the way I, I wanted them to, I checked out and I, and, and I disengaged. This scripture is so life-giving to me because it helps me realize, man, there's a different way that I can walk. There's a different way that I can operate in the world now because God has given us his spirit. And the gospel frees us to walk in step with that spirit. The question is, how do we know if we're walking by the flesh instead of the spirit? How do we know? What are the signs? What are the tells? How do we know if, if we are producing fruit in terms of the spirit or just producing the fruit of, of just ourselves and our sinful nature? If you keep reading in verse 19, it says the acts of the flesh are obvious, selfish, I'm sorry, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. You know, these are the traits that describe a life led by the flesh. And it's kind of funny because as I read this, I remember reading this as I was first studying to, to learn more about Jesus. And it's interesting because there are some big ones that are like, oh man, sexual morality, can't do that. Impurity, no way. Witchcraft, not happening. But there are some ones that honestly can still slip into my life in the moments and in the times and in the seasons where I, where I, where I begin to walk by the power of the flesh. I think about debauchery. I think about fits of rage. I think about envy. I think about those sins that honestly, no one will really call you out for mostly, but, but they can be there. And if, and if that's there, if we're living like this, these are tells that maybe we're walking by the flesh. Maybe we're not walking by the spirit. Maybe we need to do a better job of walking with the spirit. Maybe we need to crucify the flesh. Once again, there are, there are these little ones that can just come in. There are these tells. These are the, the things that make it obvious whose strength we are relying on. And it's so interesting because I've read this passage, as many of you have, hundreds of times with so many different people. And for a lot of us, Galatians just stops right here, right? Paul just shuts it down. Everybody goes home. This is the end all be all of the book of Galatians. This is the part of the book that we read the most. And yet there's another section. It's not just who we ought not to be. It's who we ought to be. It's what life by the spirit actually produces in a positive way that Paul ends out in. In verse 22, it says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. This is how a life led by the spirit looks like. 
You know, I look at some of these and I think of peace. Man, how often do I feel in my spirit that I need peace? That I would love more peace in my life. You know, I think of kindness. How often does my wife call me out on needing to be more kind and more gentle, right? Self-control. These are the fruit of walking with the Spirit. These aren't things that we have to go chase after, look under different things to get. This is the fruit of living a life walking with the Spirit. And so my question is, is this your life today? Is this my life today? Which one of these lists more closely describes your feelings over the last couple of weeks, your life, the fruit that you have produced over the last couple of weeks? Have you been indulging in the flesh or have you been walking by the spirit? And the great part about the gospel, the great part about what we have in Christ is that we have the freedom to live this way. And we have the freedom from living the other way. Right. The gospel frees us to change our lives. The gospel frees us to live life in a way completely unimaginable without it. And I want to call us higher, man, to, to walk with the spirit. This week, even if you're quarantined, even if your kids are driving you crazy, even if your your job situation is just unfortunately, you know, on the rocks a little bit. I want to call us all to walk by the spirit this week, not to be led by the flesh, not to trade in our almighty God for a smaller God that we can control, but to walk by the flesh. And that is gospel freedom. I want to end on verse 24, where it says those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You know, we have the ability to put the flesh to death, not because of who we are, but because of Christ. And because of the gospel and because Christ lived and he died and was resurrected and he and he in his flesh died so that we can put to death our flesh and that we can even have an opportunity to live by the spirit. So as we go ahead and take a moment to take communion, I want to encourage us to remember that and to think about that, that Christ died, that we have the gospel, the good news that Christ died so that we can walk by the spirit and so we can have lives completely changed and different than it ever was. So let's go ahead. I'm going to say a prayer and then we're going to go ahead and, and uh, take communion together. Let us pray. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, God, we are so, so grateful for the gospel. God, it's so easy for me to forget just how good of news it is. It's easy for me to forget just how much your son has freed us all from. God, help us not to be people who trades that in for rules because we know that that is not true freedom. God, help us not to be people who trades that in to indulge in the sinful nature instead because that is also not true freedom. God, help us to be people who walk by your spirit. God, thank you for your son and just the death that he went through, God, for, and his incredible life and for his resurrection. God, help us to remember just this sacrifice that he went through and help us to have the same mentality to put our flesh to death each and every day. Thank you so much for your love. Thank you so much for your sacrifice. We love you so much. Help us to remember that as we drink the juice and eat the bread. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Greater Long Beach Podcast. 
For more information about our church, please visit greaterlongbeachchurch.com.